Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It was a freak accident that would change Sophie Lee's life completely. Performing in Chicago in 2018, the dancer and fire breathers act went disastrously wrong when a fireball blew back at her, causing her face and chest to go up in flames. From being unable to look at herself in the mirror to posting her recovery photos to thousands of her Instagram followers, Sophie uses her power of social media to share her inspirational story and show that beauty is beyond the superficial. There will be laughs and a couple of tears also in this week's episode, so brace yourself. This is Helen Wood Chats to Sophie Lee. Thanks so much for coming back. Today we have the amazing Sophie on the show. Sophie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So thank you for having me. You're very welcome. I'm very honoured to be here. Um, Basically, I'm trained as a dancer. That's my profession. And I went into fire breathing. And um, on April Fool's Day 2018, I was fire breathing at a charity event in America. And I blew the fire out during my performance and when I did it was a freak accident and it was something to do with the air con with the wind and when I blew the fire out it blew the fire back to me and set me on fire from the chest all the way up to kind of my face lower part of my face and I basically spent a month in hospital in America. That was when I first, for me, that was my first real understanding of life. Like this is, this is real life. This is not what you hear about, what you read about. This is your life. And it really made me understand that there's more to life than just trying to be pretty and trying to be popular or well-known or that none of that really matters to me anymore because of this accident. And that's why I'm in a way I'm very grateful for it. Is that how you'd been previous to the accident? Like up until that point, do you think that's what you were striving for? Like Up until the- that point, my, my career was my life. Yeah. And with my career being involved with such a very shallow and kind of, I've been dancing since I was two. So that's all I've known to be kind of 
always looking perfect. You've got to always have this perfect, this perfect, this perfect. And that really, in a way, sheltered my broadened mind, if that makes sense. I, yeah. I didn't end up thinking more into life. I was just very in a bubble, my own bubble of being a performer, being a dancer. And that was what I wanted to do in terms of being you know, successful, which I think anyone, if you're committed to a career, that is all you're going to see unless you have something like this drastic happen to you. And that, that is drastic. You, yeah, that makes you change your ways. When did the fire breathing start? When did you get into that? Well, I left dance college. So right. when I left dance college, you go into the big wide world. That's you. That's you get a job. Some people went on cruise ships. Some people went on to perform um, on tours or on the West End. Whereas for me, I was... I think I really just enjoyed being a bit crazy and like yeah. the adrenaline rush of it. And so I went and trained to um, be a fire performer and a stilt walker and angle grinder and something that's a bit more um, extreme. Living and, life on the edge, yeah. like, literally. And it was, and because I think I it was, it was more of a passion as well that yeah. I just enjoyed making people happy and, you know, performing and the adrenaline rush of being on stage. I f- felt like home. How long so, were you doing that for? About five years, four or five, five years. Yeah. Tell us how it happened, what happened, and obviously to the level that you're comfortable talking about yeah, it. Yeah, of course. I'm, I always believe that now anyway, the more that I talk about it, if anything, it, helps me as well as helps others out there because I've come to accept it more and more each time and every time I talk about it I'm even more empowered about it because I'm so proud that I'm able to sit here and talk to you and share with the listeners what I've been through because you know that's that I get a platform to do that yeah um that fire accident happened and that month that I spent in hostel in America I spent that on my own and the first part of it I was in intensive care, so I was hooked up to machines. I couldn't really do anything for myself. I was awake, but I was present, but I wasn't present, if that made sense. I was just basically existing. I was existing. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I will never forget that time there because that is what, in a way, makes me wake up every day grateful for where I am. Like to wait to wake up being hooked onto a machine because you can't even breathe, you can't even see for yourself, you can't you can't do anything for yourself that are basic, basic things that you do. It, that you take it, for granted. Yeah, that of everyone course. of us takes for granted. Just being able to breathe is I think it's so like now it, it brings me to kind of like a bit speechless because at a point in my life, I couldn't do that for myself. That is crazy. So you couldn't breathe. Tell, tell us what happened. So, so when I breathe the fire out, the wind, because obviously it happened to me. I can't exactly pinpoint the exact of what happened because yeah. it was so fast. It was just You're my in America, body. Is that yeah, right? yeah. My body went into survival mode because I was on fire. So my body went into shock. And during that time, even now, like I feel like some parts of my mind have, has it's erased it because it's a part of my life that was so like fast and drastic and really quite over, overpowering yeah. to accept. So I think sometimes when things like that happen to you in life, you do you go, become numb to it. Yeah, that's exactly what, yeah. what I am. And I just more, I think the recollection that I have is more from hospital because that's where I did a lot of my thinking. And that's where I did a lot of my reflection. And that's where I did a lot of my growing, I would say. And that's where a lot of the pain I endured is from. Was there a point that you woke up and thought, 
I've been on fire. I've been burned. What happened? Like when you I got think to I hospital? I kind of forgot because I, because when they give you the meds and things like that, you just kind of drift off and you yeah, just yeah, yeah. it's like this is gonna be you know just gonna knock her out. So when I woke up. I kind of knew I'd been in an accident because I kind of remember because I didn't really have good sleep. I was in pain. And when you're burnt, the first thing your body does is go into shock and it swells to go straight to the injury point and bring down the burn. So that's why you swell. So the water, like the swelling, the water, the, um, the water retention around the injury kind of helps to take away the burn, the burning sensation, if that makes sense. And so when I woke up, because it was around my mouth and my um, chest and my neck, my throat was so swollen that I couldn't breathe, basically. And that's why I couldn't eat. I couldn't do anything with my face because it was all, it was all here, like on my chest area that was, it was horrendous. Um, I just remember waking up I could, at one point I couldn't even stand up because I couldn't balance because my head was just drifting from side to side or like my neck would be so heavy and my head would be so heavy and I'd be in pain. When did they, when did they show you them? Like, when did you look in the mirror? How soon after? It was like, so I could only really do anything for myself about two, three days later when I finally like kind of came round properly that I wasn't bed bound. Were you still on and your own at this point? Yeah, so I just, I just needed to be on my own. I couldn't physically be strong enough for anyone at that point, not even for myself. So for me to be strong for my parents or for anyone that's just sat there glaring at me, I, I, I couldn't do it. Sophie, what, um, I don't even know if you'd even be able to find a way of explaining or like a word or whatever. When you first saw the full extent of oh, your injuries, what? The, it was when they asked me to have a shower. Because I burnt my hair. I burnt, I was all burnt. Burnt, burnt. Like just all I could smell around me was burn. You could smell it. Smell. Yeah. Because obviously I'd just been led there. All they did was put ointment on me straight away. Is this, this is on your chest as well? Chest. Like they were talking about skin grafts, this, that. And I was like, I, I don't even. I, the last time I was in hospital, prior to this, I was born. So... Do you know what I mean? Like, I've never been in hospital in my life. I rarely get ill, like, at all. So I was led there, like, absolutely didn't even know what day it was and what had happened, anything like that. And I'm getting told skin grafts or do you want this or do you want this? Or if you're not getting better, you might have to have this. And I was like, just so oh, much to take in. Yeah. All the while I'm led there, can't really breathe. All I can smell is burn around me. And I've, I'm just about to go see what I look like. I, oh, I remember this so Oh, it's so emotional for me because I remember, so to have a shower, I was led, I, well, I was sat on, I was kneeling actually, because I was wheelchaired into this room and it was, it was um, like a metal table and I kneeled on it and the nurse had to help me shower and she was like, we're going to have to rub because you need to get rid of all this burn. Oh my God. And when I tell you, the water wasn't even hot. It was like lukewarm water. And I remember she was slowly dragging, like bringing the shower head up. And it's up to like my, um, like my thigh, my knee. And then I was like, this chest is going to hurt. The water was like acid. Like, oh my God, I remember it. It was so, 
It was so raw, like. Oh, oh no. No, it's okay. fine, like. I feel awful. It was just so, don't feel awful, because I feel no, like no. it's, I just, I just it's me feeling. imagine, like, what the hell that must have felt like. Jesus, I cry for burn my hand on the oven, like. I just can't even. It was so just, like, it was pure just emotions. Like yeah. I'd never felt so numb in my life to my surroundings. I, everything was just like, I cut everything out and all I could see was just bits of blood, bits of hair, bits of like my skin and like burn. And that was when it hit me like, oh my God, this is, I can't believe this has happened. And I remember she was like, we need to scrub this now. And I literally just sat there and there's just tears coming down my eyes. And I was like, is this over? Is this going to be over? And I just remembered when she wheeled me out of the room because I was, she hadn't um, put my dressings on yet. That was the first mirror I saw. And I just cried. I just, I, I remember getting wheeled back to my room. I was just in tears. And there was like mirrors as I went in my room because I didn't see those mirrors and I was getting wheeled out because I was just like, oh, I don't really know where I am. And I just went, just take all the mirrors down. <laughs> Like, oh my, getting a bit emotional. But I just said, just please take these mirrors down because I can't bring myself to look at myself in this state that I've never even, I've never seen. I don't know, I, I basically said to her, I don't know this person. Like, I'm not this person. And um, basically moving on from that point, I just... I lived a very sheltered few weeks of, I couldn't even, I couldn't really step out of my room. I didn't really want to open the windows, didn't want to see daylight. I just, I just had to be on my own. And I remember I just needed to cry it out, let it all out, pity myself. And then after about two, three weeks, bear in mind I showered every day and it was painful. But I remember the nurse coming and going, Soph, you're going to be fine. Don't you worry. Every single time you scrub, you're scrubbing away a part of you that you don't need anymore because a part of you is going to be growing to be even stronger than that part that you threw away. And that's what got me through. And I feel like every single time that I felt that pain, that pain, it, it, it toughened me up to be where I am today. Can you talk to us, Sophie, a bit about your um, operations? How many have you had and what what's it like to go through it? So about when I came out of hospital after that month, during this time period, my scar, it was flat at first. So the new skin that was formed was my scar tissue, they thought. It slowly started to raise. So they first started, thought it was a hypertrophic scar, which is a scar that raises from... Um, an injury point but then it started to grow out and then it then it started to be very very uh, angry very intense the growth was so intense it was growing rapidly week by week every single time I was going to hospital week by week they were saying it's, gr it's growing even more and then oh, I got which would frighten you even more yeah. if, they, if, if the, the experts are saying this to yeah, you as well no idea what was going on and then I got diagnosed with a keloid tumour. So it's a benign form of tumour, which isn't cancerous, but the characteristics are the same as a tumour. So it'll grow because it's got a blood supply to it. But 
what they explained to me was because of my ethnicity being oriental or, or even um, people with pigmented skin, it's very predominant within um, those, um, those, well, ethnicities. ethnicities yeah. yeah. And basically they had no answer for me how to get rid of it. And I was basically months on end, basically in the dark. They were in the dark. They were, so every time I went to them, they were saying, you know, we've put you, you've, we've put you into kind of a forum, a global forum with all surgeons around the world to try and figure out where you stand yeah. and what we can do for you. Cause we can't make this worse. We can't just cut it off because the growth was so big on my face. One, the complications of it, they didn't really know you could have major blood loss and you could lose your life. Jesus. Or that's, that keloid tumour could grow back even worse. I was in the dark for a long, long time until finally there was a bit of a breakthrough. There was um, a professor who invented a new um, medical science called cryosurgery, which is a new way to tackle um, any growths um, that protrude out of the skin. So that is when basically they came to me and said, we would make you a case study. And that for me was scary in itself because obviously I can't really turn to anyone else and be like, so how was it for you? Basically the formula for cryosurgery is that you get needles put into the scar and they freeze it with liquid nitrogen up to minus a hundred degrees. Wow. Yeah. And then it swells. And you're, so you're one of the first people that's ever had this in the world? Yeah, to the extent, yeah. I'm a case study to the point where even my surgeon now, when they go to seminars and teach surgeons and let other surgeons know about this, um, they use my pictures and use my story. That's unreal. When I got the answers for having cryosurgery, I thought, you know what, what else, what can I lose? But then that's when I thought, hang on a minute. I feel like I need to document this for me. At first I only documented it for me, for no one else's eyes, only for my eyes. Yeah. Because up until that point, I still was struggling to look into mirrors and look at my own reflection. And yeah, that was a very big thing for me. So I just documented it and that documenting it, I think helped me accept what was part of my body. You've got like, you've got like a massive, massive following and you're so honest about every single step of the journey, which is just so admirable. Um, you know, you've never, you've never sat there feeling sorry for yourself and, you know, like a lot of people do do. And, and they do have a I right like to, I've done it, but I've, I have you think you did that it. in like that time yeah. that you were on your in own. Fact, if anything, every time I've been in hospital sitting, so like for my surgeries, that week I take some time out for myself yeah. to pity myself and be like, oh, but then I think like, I think back to the first original time and I think it's never going to be You bring it back home yeah. again. Yeah. And that first original time, what brought me to be so resilient was I either crumble and cry and what, sit there and pity the fact that I'm never going to do what I used to do before. Mm. Or I accept the fact that it's not the end. It's a new beginning yeah. and make this even better than what I was before and make me better than I was before and make me be the woman that I would look up to. You are like, um, I don't know what the word is. It's kind of like, you've got a gift and the way you speak on the way you influence. And I love that I can say that and actually mean that 
you are influencing a lot of people who are going through nowhere near the amount of but like that's my point like i never want to make someone feel like your hardship cannot be I never, I never compare my hardship to someone else's hardship. For me, I congratulate you and every single person listening and every single person in this room for just having the courage to face the world today. And that's why I will never belittle someone's problems because someone's problems could be the end of the world for them. Never mind what happened to me. Whereas, you know, if I go around thinking- It's more that you're a breath of fresh air, but I think you're, you're making people open their eyes to- see that there's a bit more to life than worrying about what's looking back at you in the mirror. Because I think when we get told something, like I know if I was to get lectured, Mm. say when I was younger, get lectured by my mum, I wouldn't take any of it in. Whereas if you educate and reevaluate your circumstances, that's when you learn and that's when you grow. Because when you belittle someone, that's not helping them. It's not going to help them grow. It's not going to help them grow to be a better person or in another circumstance, they're not going to approach that with the right mind frame. Yeah, you're teaching people. It is, that's that's exactly what you are doing. Would you say that like um, you're following and you talking and kind of expressing your daily emotions and whatever, would you say that you're following and talking, interacting with strangers is almost kind of like a therapy for you? Of course, I, I'm in therapy now. Right. I'm, I have post-traumatic stress disorder, so PTSD, and I get, I, get, I get into my down days and I share that with people because it's okay not to be okay. Like, you're fine. You're only human. You're only a human being. And there's only so much you can take until you say, I need a day off. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So give yourself that day off and then come back absolutely 10 million times stronger than you were. Yeah. So when I share that with people, like, that's real life. I'm not going to just shelter it because my life isn't all one happy mood. Yeah. That's why I don't get, like, I get trolls saying to me, well, you must be fake because how can you be going out having a good time then the next day you're doing this and then next week you're depressed? Oh. Babe, I'm not going out because I'm happy all the time. Like, I've got a life, but also I have emotions. Like, Who uh, are like, these people? Oh, people saying, like, like, I spoke about this on one other podcast the other week that people will say to me, well, you're definitely doing more now because you've lost part of your face, aren't you? You're definitely wearing less or you're doing this. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> if you think I'm wearing less for other people just because I lost a bit of my face, like you got nothing coming because I wear that whether I wear that if I want to or not on my day off or not. Do you know what I mean? So it's unbelievable as actually trolls for this. Yeah. It's almost like, what do people, I mean, so many people find you inspirational. I think I can, I think I can speak on a lot of people's behalf saying that. But, like, it's bizarre that certain people almost want to see you just... Yeah. Because they're waiting for you to crack. They're waiting for you to think. And I'm like, babe... It's like, why are you not rolling in self-pity and they have a problem with that? Or if a day that I do, you're all of a sudden fake. I'm like, wow, (laughs) okay. I think it's great that you're doing both. I think it's great that you're being completely open and honest. honest. Like, that is, like, that's one of my issues personally with the whole influencer thing is how a lot that I have followed and then unfollowed not long after they don't tend to talk about the down days and that's really important Your down days if you've got you. a big following then have you not got some kind of a duty to make sure that you actually do have the crap days as well as absolutely. the good absolutely you've just nailed that like straight in the head like I do believe that 
the word influencers float like thrown around a lot, like fling here, fling there. You're an influencer. You're an influencer. How I would explain an influencer or a celebrity is if you've done something that is honourable enough yeah. to make you someone who influences mm. someone's mind. I don't want to be a girl that stood there trying to sell you a dress. No. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I want to I want to let you know the reason why I'm wearing that dress because I feel empowered and I feel bloody beautiful yeah. wearing what I'm wearing and you should be absolutely, you know, empowered by you yourself. Not a bit of commission. No. No. Like, I don't care about money. But like, with this accident, I lost my job. I lost my life. Like, I nearly lost my life. My life was my job. And my income went from having an income to absolutely to nothing. nothing. That's why money for me is absolutely like, if I have it, I have it. If I don't, then whatever. Yeah. Money is the most common thing in the whole world. Yet we absolutely bend over backwards for what? I know. Life, you only get one. Money, they print, they print more of that every single day. Like, yeah, it comes and goes and it does come and go. It, it literally does. What do you think about um, fire breathing now as a whole? What do you, what's like your opinion on it? I don't have a bad opinion on it because it was a passion of mine and it still is a passion of mine because it wasn't something that was self-inflicted. Like it wasn't something that I did. I went out there and did as like a prank or anything like that. It was my profession. Yeah. So I was trained in it and I knew how to handle fire. So I'm not going to say to people who are in that prof like profession, don't do it. It's dangerous. The, well, actually it is dangerous, but I mean, to the extent of don't do it. You wouldn't say don't do it. Yeah. yeah. I'd just say, be very vigilant of your surroundings. Be very careful who you've like, where you're performing, what you like, what your surroundings are and just make sure that you're safe and make sure that you're, um, prepared. Would you perform like, obviously not fire breathing, but fire. would you dance would. again? Would you yeah. perform like on stage? That yes. was so amazing to see. Yeah. Because I think for me, that is a milestone that I know for a fact, if I was to do that and I perform, I'd just cry. I'd cry. I'd I'll, just, I'll be there. Please do it. I want to watch it. <laughs> because that's my passion. Yeah. That's what I initially thought I was put on this earth to do. Definitely. You would, I think you'd be great at doing that. That'd be such an amazing thing for you to do you. when you're ready. Yeah, obviously. of course. And so I it's think like, it's just your performance. You're doing what you, you're doing your passion. Yeah. But then at the end of it, like it being able so to much talk more. about what it meant it like, means, to an audience. To me now, if I was to perform, I'm putting my heart and soul on the line for you to see because a year, two years ago, I may not have even made it alive to be stood here to perform so when I perform now it will be me showing you a piece of kind of my heart like yeah. that's my everything it's a big thing yeah yeah that's I believe that dance and performing is raw emotion it's yeah. what you express that you can't say it's a feeling it's how you just like it's how you kind of hold yourself at that moment yeah and you know that's something that I've really not been able to do for a while. So for me, I think I've got a lot of expression left that's bubbling in me. That's in the right time. It's going to happen. Yeah. Well, I'll be the first one buying a <laughs> ticket at the show oh. anyway. You can download Helen Wood Chats to wherever you listen to your podcast, but for exclusive, interactive, immersive content, 
download the Entail app for iOS and Android. If you like what you heard, please rate and review my podcast and help other listeners to discover us too. This is a Laudable production for the Manchester Evening News. You can check out Laudable on both Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget to check out my Twitter, Instagram and YouTube pages. Thanks, guys.